The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what? Well, hello, hello, hello. Here we are again, back at it for episode one. I think I'm going to call this episode one, Paul, because the other was episode intro. Would that be good with you? Zero. Episode zero. This is this is episode zero point one or oh, just episode one. Hey, I'm Pastor John. This is one. That's right. I'm Pastor John Gibson from Living Hope Church in Centerville, Ohio, and this is my dear friend. Hey, I'm Paul Desay, uh, Sandy Hook United Methodist Church in Columbus, Indiana. Hey, John. Hey, man. We are back at it talking today um, about an interesting topic. It's the <laughs> end of the world as we know it. Yeah. I've been spending all week, well, not all week, I've been spending some time this week uh, kind of diving into the endings. I love, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of movies and music. And when I think of this topic, the end of the world, all like comets and boring to the center of the earth and kisses before astronauts go to nuke, you know, big asteroids from and all those images come to mind. <laughs> How about you, Paul? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love, I love I, my sermon on Sunday was that REM song into the world as we know it. I, and then, you know, the movies, the movies, Oh my goodness books. I mean, they're blockbusters, right? We, we, in our culture, love endings. We love, yeah endings or are so attracted to the ending of a story and i think I, I think we're attracted to it because i was looking at the the rem title it says it's the end of the world as we know it and i feel fine right we're obsessed with endings that don't blow us up we like to yeah. watch them from afar <laughs> endings. Be endings you know it's even in even in terrifying post-apocalyptic stuff we want we want the good guys to still win uh, we don't want the world completely blown up we don't want the zombies to take over everything just uh, all the people we don't like. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, we could talk a lot about that. And I think everybody that is not good in those movies ends up dying or getting blown up or getting, yeah, the wave smashes them. Uh, it's an interesting. It's about control, though, isn't it? Isn't it about all about control? We, yeah. Yeah. We do like to decide who goes and who stays, don't we? Yeah. Well, it good leads one. us kind of to our conversation. Not only do we like, endings in the world of entertainment but we also have a lot of ending stories in the bible and i don't know about you paul but if if you've ever spent any time like we have reading revelation or uh, the passages even from this week's lectionary are just chock full of apocalyptic imagery what do we do when the bible talks to us about end times and it, it connects me back to my past um, when I read the Left Behind series. I was a Left Behind generation in the church library, and um, Left Behind was right next to all the commentaries for Revelation, um, where it gave us the perfect picture of what it means for God to come back and do his thing in the end. Did you ever read Left Behind? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't want to be Left Behind bashers, but it, it is interesting to me how much people's understanding of the end times is connected to those books in the Christian yeah. community anyway. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's sold millions and millions of copies. We love that story. I mean, it's not a lot different than a lot of the movies that are out uh, telling that story. We want the good guys to win. We want the bad guys to go. Um, and yeah, so it's, it really is the same story. The Bible has a different story 
but you know unfortunately we we allow whether it's the books or the movies or um bible experts with charts to to teach us what the bible says instead of just looking at it i mean and it is confusing don't you know don't get me wrong but. yeah let's let's talk about that for a second it this uh probably among all of the confusing topics in scripture i would say that this is one of the most fraught with danger confusing areas to talk about right prophecy apocalyptic literature what does it mean who is it being talked to you know how do we interpret these all these metaphorical imagery things happening i mean it's just like a minefield of confusion yeah absolutely and i think we're attracted to um instead of being attracted to history we're attracted to sensationalism i know mm-hmm. i am yeah. And so, uh, you know, the the stories of left behind in the movies and the end times genre is sensational. Um, and so we're attracted to that. Uh, and I think that when uh, serious students, and I'm not serious yet, one day I'll get serious about it. You're it, old it, and gray. Yeah, well, there, there's a history element to studying prophecy and end times. Uh, and it's no different really than studying any other part of the Bible or any other piece of literature. It's just asking the text a lot of questions like, who is it written by, who is it written to, and what kind of style is it? And, and, and so understanding some of those things really can help us when we look at end times. Uh, but it's, it's, it's work. And I think we'd just rather have the movie or the book or someone else tell us what it is so that we don't have to do the work. At least I do. Um, yeah. That's absolutely, I, I think you're absolutely right, because because it is so confusing, we want somebody to explain it, and we got lots of people explaining it, and in, in all, like, there's a hundred different voices saying this is what this means, you know, but I, I think at the heart of it, and maybe before we kind of launch into what we think of, how do we engage this confusing arena of end times, is just kind of talking a little bit more, you you hit that word control, why are we, why do we like endings, and specifically, why are, why are we drawn to want wanting to know uh, when the end is, you know, and and Jesus has some pretty interesting words for for even people in his day that wanted to know the. I mean, people were obsessed with the end, and Jesus kept telling like, "Yo, uh, only the Father knows. It's going to come like a thief. Nobody's going to know, and it's actually the wrong thing to be focusing on." But why? Why do you think we want to know? what the end of the story is. It's like the kids of Christmas, you know, we, we, we anticipate so much. And I never did this as a kid. I was an angel. Like they, God sent me down from heaven. I was the perfect child. But there were lots of other children out there, probably like you, Paul, who wanted to know their presence so bad that they, they did what? They went on a search, right? And they opened the closet and they found out what they had. But what they found probably is discovering what, what the ending was, that it ruined the ending. But why do we why do we have this inner like human need to find things out to like to know that we know that we know this is when it's going to happen? Well, I think throughout history we there's been a fascination with wanting the secret knowledge. Um, and in the Bible days, it was uh, there was a group of people called Gnostics, and and they were all about Gnostic. Uh, the the word root word of that means knowledge, and they were all about wanting the secret knowledge. Uh, and because if they could get the secret knowledge, that means no one else has the secret knowledge. And so that secret knowledge led to control. Um, it, and again, it, it, it really was to a certain degree about uh, distancing yourself from your enemies. Um, and, and I think that is true too in, in our life. I mean, I, 
I want to have the truth. So I know my destination, eternal destination is good. And I, I don't want to tell those enemies, those bad people, so they can fast, face the wrath. So I think there's a sense in control. Um, uh, and, you know, if I have the secret knowledge and you don't, that makes, gives me power. Um, mm. so anyway, Elevates this, you over people. Yeah, yeah. So 2,000 years, there's always been a desire for secret knowledge, to, have, to know the secret. And I think that's sometimes why the, the, the guy with the charts is so fascinating. If I only could figure out the secret, if I could get the secret knowledge, then I'll have uh, power and control over situations. If I know when Jesus is coming back, the dates, then I can use that to my advantage. Now, I'm not saying that everyone's motivations are, are poor. Um, by no means. Um, I'm just saying that I'm generally a selfish person. Uh, and so that secret knowledge uh, benefits me. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think something else I've come up against too when I talk about this with people is they just have a desire. They want to know the end because they want the story to like be over. They have a desire to have their current life or the current world the way it is to to like be done with because it's so bad or it's so frustrating or they kind of, you kind of, and I think the longer we live specifically in this Advent season, it's this space in between what God did and what he says he's going to do. And the longer we live in that anticipatory place, the, the easier it is to move into cynicism. Like the things you said are going to happen. Are they really, you know? And mm. when we, the longer we live there, I think our, our desire to know the end really is to, is comes out of a heart of saying, I'm just tired of what's going on now. And I want it to be finished. I mean, I see that the, that thread throughout Scripture a lot of times when I read. I, I know when last week we're talking about the Corinthian um, believers. They were they were ones who thought Jesus, when he said he's going to return, he's going to return in their lifetime. And Paul kind of comes in and bursts their bubble and says, "Hey, you're worrying about the wrong things." But I think for them it was because everywhere they looked around was all of the problems that existed before Jesus came. And he said he was going to fix, and then they look around and they're not being fixed. And I just want to know when when this is going to be done with. And I have a lot of, I think, people in my church that are kind of they're looking for the moon to turn red, or they're looking for the you know the antichrist to come or whatever. Be, be, and it comes out of a heart of just like finish it already, God. What are we waiting around for? You know? Yeah, yeah. And there's a desire to escape. Uh, desire Ooh, that's a good word. Let's talk about that. Talk about escapism stuff, Paul. Have you ever encountered that with people in your church? Absolutely. What's that look we, like? Yeah, yeah. So it's this idea that we're going to hunker down. The end is almost <laughs> here. We're going to hunker down, uh, build a shelter, and et cetera, et cetera, so that uh, you know we'll be we'll be safe when the end comes. Uh, there is an escape. Isn't I think that's what's so popular about the left behind the rapture thing is this idea of escaping this life and going on to whatever's next, you know, and I think for, you know, Gnosticism has affected our belief, we, you know, we think we're going to float away to some sort of, you know, heavenly cloud city or something. Um, and I think, unfortunately, you know, uh, for a lot of people that escapism, we miss out on what God desires us to do uh, here and now, um, and, and really to find significance and fulfillment. And I think a lot, if we're focused on escaping, and this is where Jesus was coming from. If you focus on escaping, you're going to miss out the task. Last week it was a sign task given to the servants in, in Mark 13. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, we, we have a temptation to fall asleep and miss the task that God has given us if we focus on the escapism. Yeah, almost gives me this, the image of the, the disciples. Jesus takes them up to the mountain and he reveals himself, right? It's who, who he is. 
and then then they just want to stay like i want to build a tent here this is great this is heaven on earth and and god's like dude stop staring up into the clouds get down and make this thing happen but we so often want to just stare in the clouds i think it's easier and that's a i think maybe that kind of pokes at my heart a little bit it's easier for me to just stand around and wait for for god to do whatever he's going to do blow it all up than it is to recognize maybe the message within all of that apocalyptic literature always circle seems to circle back around we're going to talk about this a little bit seems to circle back around to uh, what we thought was an ending really with God is just always a beginning. Yeah. And that's good news, but scary news too, because yeah. it invites us into participation in a different way than probably we expected. Yeah. The, the idea uh, in scripture that Advent is really a new beginning. Uh, it's the ending of something in a, in a beginning of something. Yeah. Um, and I think oftentimes it's very easy to focus on the ending of something and miss out on the beginning of something. Um, but ultimately, the task that God assigns us during this meantime uh, is is important for that future. He says, you know, uh, these good works will hasten the day of the Lord's coming. There, there's a sense where our partnership is somehow connected to when this new beginning takes place, and that's that's hard for us to grab. I mean, I don't understand that. Yeah. I have to. Second I, Peter this week talks about that too, Paul. He says you can speed it along. Hasten the day of the Lord's coming yeah, yeah. by by loving our enemies by by doing what Christ has asked us to we we somehow are tied to it uh, and so passive waiting escapism mm. um, isn't the call the call is active waiting I love that patient expectation work work hard uh, passive waiting versus active waiting like my mind just exploded Pastor Paul dropped a nuke on my brain. I'm going to put a little sound effect in there of my brain blowing you should, up. You should. <laughs> so, so let's get to the the confusing part, right? Because our, our whole podcast is trying to talk about the questions the Bible brings us when we read them and how do we navigate. So we're talking about this end time stuff. It's the end of the world as we know it. We've kind of talked a little bit about, you know, how do we approach the end time as a theme in scripture, but specifically there's a there's a lot of confusion around certain passages what do they mean you know do they mean a certain date and time do we misinterpret them and so we want to talk about one in particular today and actually it's it's cool to zero in on some of these different passages because it gives us fodder for future episodes we are not going to cover all of the answers today are we pastor paul absolutely absolutely we are. But we are. No, we're not going to. But we're going to talk about one passage in particular and maybe give some clarity to it. Um, so in Mark chapter 13, and I don't know, Paul, I don't have it up. Maybe we can read that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and the question, this was sent by uh, someone at Sandy Hook. They said in Mark 13, I think they actually asked Matthew 24, but they're very similar. Uh, is Jesus speaking about end times or the destruction of Jerusalem in, in uh, 70 BC? Uh, so we just... Mark 13 is the lectionary passage for last Sunday, so we've been chewing on it. So it made sense to start here. Uh, and so Jesus, in the, in the beginning of Mark 13, is this question about the temple. Uh, as Jesus left the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, look, what an awesome, what awesome stones and buildings. And so there was this conversation as they walked by the temple. I mean, look how awesome this is. And Jesus uh, says, uh, do you see these enormous buildings? Not even one stone will be left upon another. All will be demolished. And so this launches this whole chapter 
uh, and it's the same in Mark chapter 24, of uh, when is this going to take place? Uh, And the context is the temple's destruction. Unfortunately, a lot of times when we read this, we think of Jesus is talking about the end of the world or the new beginning, Jesus' second coming. Uh, And he does mention that because he talks about thief in the night, different things. Yeah, in verse 24 Uh, of that passage, in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and heavenly bodies will be... I can feel the theater rumbling. Yeah, and so that, you know, that's the, that's the issue. Uh, you know, he's talking about the temple's destruction. At the same time, he's talking about uh, a cosmic ending. And mm. so it's really easy to get in saying he's talking about a cosmic ending of all things, or the new beginning, the new heavens and the new earth. But in reality, he's talking about the destruction of the temple, which did take place, by the way, in AD 70, 40 years after he said this. Um, uh, and, and we confuse it with the end of the world as we know it. Um, and I think Jesus is saying this ending, uh, you will experience a local ending, uh, but there's going to be a cosmic ending also. And I think we confuse those two ideas uh, as we read this. Um, and so for those people, he says, this generation will not pass away. You will see this with your own eyes and experience it. And he was talking about that temple being destroyed. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they saw it. A lot, I mean, a lot of these people saw it in AD 70. They saw Rome come and destroy it all. And so Jesus was giving signs, and uh, we read that, and we go, well, it must be talking about some future event. Uh, but I, I don't think that local was for us. I think that local was for them. Now, there is a cosmic. I'm not saying that Jesus didn't come back. He definitely is. He's coming like a thief in the night. But I think Jesus gave them some tangible signs and some apocalyptic crazy language uh, to let them know if they don't change the course of their direction, there's going to be consequences. And something that, that helps me, Paul, when, when I hear you talk about this and when I read the scriptures is to remember that the, these are re- recurring, repetitive themes within the whole of scripture. For, so from Genesis to Revelation, Genesis to the maps, as Leonard Sweet always used to say, oh, yeah, there's a re- repeating theme. And it was and this apocalyptic um, language was all over uh, Hebrew scripture. It was it was the way they understood how God would bring about the end of brokenness and the messianic future that He promised. And it was this this recurring cycle over and over again. And and but it, what's interesting to me is that every cycle that it's repeated, the people have the same tension and confusion that happens like they they hear god say this is an end locally it's going but it's going to lead you we're going to learn lessons about the cosmic end that is really a beginning and but people are always wondering like well what do you mean and why aren't you bringing the cosmic end now instead of just this thing i mean again you mentioned that second peter passage there's or the corinthians or it leads to cynicism because then they they wonder well god i thought you said you're coming back you know, he said, I am coming back. You just are misunderstanding what's really going on here. And so for me to, to recognize that this is a repeating thing helps me to understand each individual one for what it means in their current context, but also to remember that this is, in the whole of Scripture, this is something that God is pointing us to, that there is an end coming, and we want to move towards his end, not the one that he warns is filled with consequence if we continue to journey 
in the path of empire that repeats over and over. Yeah, I mean, that's that's spot on, man. I mean, I think if you look at Adam and Eve exiled out of the garden, you look at uh, Israel exiled to Babylon, uh, you, you look at uh, the, the Roman Empire coming in and occupying Jesus' time, you look at the Roman Empire in the book of Revelation, you see that exact cycle that you just talked about over and over again. God gives uh, his image bearers the opportunity to love the world, to be light of the world. Uh, but when we allow the empires of the world to influence us, whether that's Satan's empire is in the garden or the empire of nations, uh, then what we end up doing is throwing away our opportunity. And we, God allows us, he turns us over to our sin, he allows us to experience the consequences of our actions, whether that's uh, to be exiled out of the garden or whether that's Babylon coming and rising up and, and doing their thing or Rome. Uh, and in this case, saying this is this will happen if you don't change course um babylon will conquer you you know in, in isaiah that's over and over again right babylon will conquer you if you don't change course uh and that's what this temple destruction is if you don't change course if you don't love your enemies uh if you don't distance yourself from the ways of empire violence and oppression then jerusalem's going to be wiped out and unfortunately they didn't change and that's our story right and we don't change and so we have to face these consequences of our own actions our own sins um, our own apocalyptic ending absolutely it's interesting when you're saying that and when i think about the cycle as well i see god's patience in that oh my goodness you know he it, aren't we thankful that he doesn't bring about the end that we seem to so desperately want <laughs> you know we want to know that like we now we really don't and and god by allowing this cycle to continue he's i think he's up there hoping like maybe this time you'll you'll get it maybe you'll understand that i've i've my mercy and patience has lasted for thousands and thousands of years as humanity keeps making the same mistakes over and over and keeps missing the point missing the the true warning of what he keeps saying is, if, like you said, if you keep if you keep living this way, it's going to lead you to an ending. But if you come and live in my ways and in my world and you perpetuate my kingdom values, you're going to learn and see how endings are never endings with me. They're always beginnings. Because God is, and I, I think for me, that's what I grab and, and what I hope people get from this little conversation is that God is not obsessed with endings like we are. He's obsessed with transforming endings into beginnings. Yes. I mean, the, the ultimate picture, symbol of that, the ultimate metaphor of that is Jesus. He came into the world to live in our mess and muck, and he, and he went as far as entering the very heart of death. And what does he do to death? And we, we like to say he claimed victory over it, right? But God did something even more transformational than just winning. God took the very nature of death and transformed it into the very place where life is birthed. So we enter into the kingdom of God by doing what? By dying, right. <laughs> by surrendering, by giving over. over. And yeah. to me, that, that is like the, most, the purest picture of God saying, I'm obsessed with beginnings so much that in my world, there will never be another ending yes. because the places you thought were endings were really beginnings. Beginnings, yeah. <laughs> uh, graves and the, and, the, and the gardens, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's that resurrection story, the new creation. I mean, the ultimate uh, new beginning, right? The new heavens and the new earth at the end of Revelation. That's the ultimate picture 
of God reversing everything that took place, uh, God resurrecting everything, and uh, he will make all things new. Uh, and that that's not fear right there. That that's That's hope and that's longing and that's what I want. Um, but the sensational part of me and the selfish part goes with the fear and goes with the, um, but the whole time you're right, Jesus, God's hanging out this new hope, this new beginning, this new heavens, new earth in front of us and say, come this way. Uh, and that choice is given to us always. Will we follow the way of Jesus or will we pick up our sword like the empire? And these apocalyptic scriptures, what we're talking about today, and just in, in the one we chatted about, but they're all throughout scripture. And our hope, uh, Pastor Paul and I, is as you continue to navigate these apocalyptic moments, you know, and you get brave enough to enter into the revelation and the prophetic, the major prophets and the, way, the language they use, as we enter in, maybe we would change our perspective. This is my hope that comes out of our conversation today, Paul is that we would change our perspective from seeing them as stories of doom and instead seeing them as beacons that point us to a better way. So when I read scriptures like Revelation, yes, I see the warning in them, but may I see that they're pointing me to what God is really, what he has been trying to do all along. And that is to get us to see that we're going the wrong way and he wants to show us the way to live in his world in his new creation, in his life. And so that I hope that's one of the tools we give people from just listening to this short little conversation is the next time you read an apocalyptic piece of scripture, don't sit in shock and confusion and wonder, is it tomorrow? Is it 2020? Is that dude the Antichrist? Is Joe Biden the Antichrist? Is Donald Trump the Antichrist? Is, you know, don't, don't put your time looking at the sky wondering when it's going to happen, but see that God is pointing you to live a life that says, don't go the way of empire, don't go the way of brokenness, but come towards my way of hope and peace and love and perpetuating the values of the kingdom. Amen. That's good, man. And, and that's exactly, exactly right. The longer I study uh, end time stuff, the more I come to that uh, understanding of, of God leading us away from the ways of empire and the world and destruction and fear um, to a way of love and hope. And that's what Advent is. And that's the season that we're currently in as we're recording this podcast. And for those out there that want to dig a little bit more into this 8070, I do have a book recommendation. Uh, it's called Jesus Unexpected by Keith Giles. Uh, Jesus Unexpected by Keith Giles. And he has a chapter in there about 8070. Uh, and it's, it's fascinating. Uh, he goes through and, and, and records Josephus, who was a historian, uh, a Roman historian, not a, not a, uh, not a, a Jewish historian, not a Christian, uh, and records signs and miracles and all of these things that Jesus talked about in the signs of the times. Josephus described it really, really well. And for those history buffs out there, just to affirm that Jesus was talking to that generation, there are some great resources. And we want, that's one of the things that we want to do with this podcast. We want to help answer questions, but really we want to point you to resources because there's experts out there that have dug deep, and if that's what you want. So Jesus Unexpected by Keith Giles has a chapter on 8070, and I've read it a few times, dude, it'll blow you away. Uh, all the stuff that took place at 8070 when Rome ransacked Jerusalem, uh, and God provides sign after sign after sign, say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and uh, the people did not repent and did not turn, and Rome wiped them out. 
Um, it wasn't God's will. Uh, it wasn't God's design that temple to be destroyed. And it's not God's design at all for us to face those consequences. Um, yeah, I haven't actually read that. So, so thanks for the recommendation, Paul. Yeah. And we'll put a we'll put a link in the notes for the podcast for all of you that want to check that out and grab that book. I will be doing the same thing and reading it and love the resources coming from the gray bearded wisdom man, Pastor Paul. Well, I, have book, <laughs> I have a book problem, so I do know. too. You you passed it on to me, so thanks for that. Uh, yeah, anytime. <laughs> but I, I, a, I, just to, it's a to kind of wrap it up from my point of view. And God loves us. He loves every person on this planet. And he doesn't want anyone to perish. And he's being very patient with us and loving to us because he doesn't want anyone to perish. There are no enemies in his mind. And he doesn't want us to see enemies either. And so his path leads to hope and love. Uh, but the path of destruction is, is all about hating your enemies and, and violence. And so uh, let, let's, turn, let's turn to the one who loves us. So. Well said. That was a, a nice, neat uh, conclusion to our amazing conversation today. I appreciate you so much, Paul, and uh, talking about all this great, uh, confusing Bible stuff. And the Bible Says What podcast, we're excited that you joined us for episode one. <laughs> episode one. And next week, or next, I'm going to edit that out. Uh, on the next time that we're together, we're going to talk about um, some interesting things about where in the Bible, when we read things that are weird, like Balaam's donkey, for example, or weird things that, you know, th there was a talking donkey in scripture. Did that really happen? Or is it a figurative story? And there's lots of other examples in the scriptures about literal things. And how do we know if they're, we should take them literally or figuratively? I, this is a minefield that I have encountered from my own personal experience as a pastor, Paul, is talking about a certain things and certain themes in the scripture, specifically in the Old Testament, were they literal events? Were they figurative events? How do we know? How do we navigate that? And if they weren't literal, um, does it destroy our ability to know the Bible as truth or not? Mm, that's a great question, man. We're going to talk about that in our next episode. So check us back on our next episode. We're excited to have a little bit more conversation about the Bible says what. I'm Pastor John Gibson of the Centerville, Ohio Living Hope Church. Paul Desay from Columbus, Indiana, Sandy Hook United Methodist Church. And we will catch you next episode on The Bible Says What? Grace and Peace. Grace and Peace. The Bible Says What? The Bible Says What? The Bible Says What? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible Says What?